We are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. A very happy Seth Wintraub this week because he just posted the review of what might be his next electric car. How you doing, Seth? Good, thanks. Uh, the Rivian R1S. You had it for a few days uh, at your home, be able to do a full review. And uh, just based on the headline that you put in there, I think you liked it because yeah. uh, is it the best SUV ever made or not? I mean, what, what's better? Uh, so uh, it wasn't at my home, but it was near my home. It was uh, yeah, yeah, in easy. just upstate New York. Um, and they had like a, a two and a half, three day drive for uh, journalists. And we were on like the second or third wave. So, you know, uh, when we posted ours, 17,000 other people posted theirs, their reviews. <laughs> But, you know, I think it's a little bit more special for me because I'm actually on the list, uh, whereas a lot of the other journalists, especially the ones I was talking to there, were just like, you know, what is this thing? I have no idea. Mm. And I'm, I've been like, you know, following it for mm. quite some time. So and, you know, I'm trying to I, I don't know if our listeners know, but we were trying to swap your reservation and my reservation because you had a R1T, but you're yeah. in Canada and they're not going to deliver to Canada for you know, who knows. Uh, and I was early enough to have an actual like founder series, so like it can right. be one of the very first deliveries. But like you said, in Canada, it doesn't look like it's going to be anytime soon because, fairly enough, Rivian is going to focus deliveries where they have like service centers and whatnot, like a, an actual infrastructure to take care of the customers. Yeah, and there there's a lot more uh, uh, places coming online right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the place near me is in Brooklyn. Uh, there's one in Boston. There's uh, one in Cleveland opening up. So they're kind of spreading all over. Um, so yeah, the the R1S. I think we talked a little bit about it last time, but um, it's just it combines a few like crazy things. So zero to sixty in three point zero seconds. And you know, initially I was like, "Well, wait a minute, this is the mm-hmm. fastest vehicle of any kind." Uh, you know, obviously motorcycles are quite fast, but four wheeled vehicle of any kind under a hundred thousand dollars, and of course. Uh, commenters pointed out that the Corvette LT uh, ZR1 package can go 2.9 seconds, and so this is. But it's a Corvette. It's a Corvette. <laughs> it's a very small package. A, simil- a similar price as the uh, Rivian, or the, mm-hmm. at least the one I'm getting. You know, being an early order, mm-hmm. so seventy thousand. Uh, I think you get a lot more with the Rivian. I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, top speed's 110. I don't think people are going to go on racetracks with this thing. But, you know, I can pull up next to a lot of supercars. And, and yes, of course, the Plaid <laughs> uh, won't beat the Plaid. But you can beat, uh, you know, pretty much every internal combustion engine uh, vehicle or at least keep up with them in this huge, not huge, but, you know, big mm-hmm. pickup yeah. SUV. Um, and that's the other thing, like, uh, you know, I've driven the Hummer and I've driven the Ford F-150 Lightning and I've seen the Silverado. These are all big, you know, I, I feel kind of like they're cement mixer type vehicles. They just feel like, you know, you're way up in the air. You're, you've got this huge wide thing, you know, forget about parking in narrow spaces, parallel parking, all that stuff is crazy. You're taking up way too much of the road. This is more like a reasonable size vehicle. I think it's going to fit in my garage. Um, one of the interesting things about the R1S is it's 17 inches shorter, and it's got about a foot shorter, 11-inch uh, shorter wheelbase. Um, and, and that's been kind of controversial. And then, a lot of, then, then the R1T? Or the R1T, yeah. Okay. So um, 
you know, that's better for off-roading. It's a tighter turning radius. Um, you know, there's some advantages to it, but like, uh, I think a lot of the reason people are buying this is for the third row. I mean, if you don't need a third row, just buy the R1T and put a cab on the back of it or, you know, don't, but the third row is kind of what people want. And there is room back there. Um, it's similar to the model X in terms of room. Um, and yeah, there's a, a good picture. Um, so this is the second row right here. That's the second row. So yeah. you have like a, we have a question already from uh, Rose Arroyo. Uh, it, do they offer captain chairs for the second row? Would you, would you consider those captain chair? No, it's a, it's a no, bench. but they're, they're quite uh, comfortable. And yeah. in fact, like the cap, so we used to have a model X, the captain chairs for that were super comfortable, but they didn't mm -hmm. have like an armrest, which I think of from like, you know, when I was a kid and we had like a conversion van, like if you're in a captain chair, you want to be like yeah. Captain Kirk, you know, sw swiveling mm -hmm. around. And uh, those were, you know, they're kind of not as comfortable. So I would, I would actually rather sit in one of these chairs with the armrests on, you know, on the door and on the, the, uh, in the middle. And, you know, they have cup holders everywhere and USB-C ports everywhere. So, I would actually take this over captain's chairs, although it was kind of nice with the Model X to be able to get out of the back through the middle, a little bit less mm -hmm. claustrophobic. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, the rear two seats, um, you know, there is some leg room, but... Um, yeah, it doesn't like, look big from what I see. It's, it's not big. Um, you can move the middle. You can see kind of the swivel on the middle uh, row, and you can move that, and you're fine. Like, you know, six, I'm six feet. And, uh, you know, I was fine back there. I, I could last a half hour probably very comfortably. I wouldn't want to go on like, you know, three, four hour mm -hmm. trips uh, back there. But, uh, you know, to the airport or wherever you would need to kind of like be in an emergency situation, that's fine. Uh, kids would be fine back there for any amount of time. Um, so, yeah, it works. It's a third row. It, you know, my, my wife uh, was like, whatever we get next, we're going to have a third row. So, you know, that eliminated a lot of EVs uh, from our uh, possible um, situation. And then, um, you know, we have a dog. We go to Vermont. Uh, this is kind of the perfect situation for her. We couldn't really put her in the back or the gear tunnel of the R1T. Uh, so we actually, I actually. Without an animal cruelty charging into you. Right. I, I actually, I was like, hey, you know, like I get up and, and she jumped up in there and she like mm. went in and turned around. And I was like, huh. <laughs> you start to get ideas. Well, they, they have that thing where you can see in the back and she could just stick <laughs> her head out of the uh, gear tunnel if Jeez. she wanted to. All but, right. Let's not do this at home anymore. Electric doesn't yes. does not condemn this these behaviors. This is uh, sets personal opinions. Right. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, for us, this is a perfect vehicle. It's It also handles really well. I think... A lot of people don't uh, really. But before you move on, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, so th this third picture here is that. So that's the third. The third row is flattened out, and then you have stuff in there. Is that it? I'm yeah. So sure. that's the third row up, and you can still put a ton of stuff in there. And I think. Oh, the third click, row is up. Yeah, really? and if if yeah. you can click on that, uh, if uh, I click on it, you don't see it though. I only like it's, it opens up it. another image for some reason. Oh, another browser. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. So. Yeah. That plenty of room uh back there uh so you can probably put i don't know four or five suitcases back there mm -hmm. um or you know tons of uh groceries or whatever um so it's just a lot of room and i get the point that you know rivian's like well we had plenty of room you know 
why why should we make it longer? But they have the R1T, like just make the exact same frame and make it a little, you know, have like an R1S extended or something. Mm-hmm. And then you have a lot more leg room in the back and, you know, you have more storage and you're, you're building on the same exact platform as the R1T. Yeah, that might be a future vehicles for them because they they are known now as the kind of a mid size uh, SUV, well, full size SUV, mid size pickup truck. So, like, if they want to, they, they certainly have room to go bigger in both cases. Yeah, and then so, um, you know, you've got an SUV can can take uh, seven people anywhere. It goes zero to sixty in three seconds, so it's one of the fastest cars on the road. And then it also goes off-road, and it goes off-road really well. So, you know, on these uh, Rivian trips, we go to places that I would never even consider going. Like, they don't even mm. seem like roads. Um, you know, up up like a 45-degree angle, down a 45-degree angle. Um, just crazy stuff. And I, th- I think the point is that anything you throw at it, you're probably going to be a ride-on. Um, and then of course they had a, like a stunt well, driver. Go, yeah. You can spin around if you want, but, um, the, is the video showing up for you? No, this video is not turning up for some reason. It's weird. That, the, and th- this one is, but that's from your, uh, R1. the R1T. Yeah. Yeah. R1T. Oh, there's some more one is there. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had the, uh, the stunt driver in this thing. It was a crazy, uh, you know, being inside it, you're just like, can't believe this is a car not a truck or can't believe this is a truck not a car um so yeah it, it combines like three like really practical vehicles it's a sports car it's a you know minivan kind of thing you know with all the all the space in the front all the space in the back and th- three rows um and it's an off-roader so you're kind of replacing three cars with one car here um it's a little bit like the uh the iphone announcement when you know steve jobs was like it's an internet communicator. It's a phone. It's a you know i iPod. It you know this is all three yeah, things. And done many well. Re- many reviewers, sorry, many reviewers did use that iPhone moment. Yeah, with the with the R one S. So for me, it's like this is the 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 best car I can you know possibly. This might be a a good opportunity here with uh, since you, you tested the R one T a month or two ago now a few months ago now the r1s have you seen any improvement in the software since then and in between that those two uh, it was subtle uh you know they they recently added like a pet mode and they recently um Mm. you know they're they're upgrading it slowly but surely um we noticed that the um the navigation in the r1t was a little slower so i think they're getting the you know the underpinnings a little bit um, better you know everybody says and i agree uh like why not just throw android auto and carplay on this make it super easy um to to have great navigation and great apps and whatever and you know they're not doing that also you know driving two teslas currently it would be nice to have you know netflix and youtube when you're just hanging out um versus uh you know there's nothing really uh entertaining us mm-hmm. yeah yeah, because it's a nice screen too. Like the yeah, it's a great or, screen, and you know they have that uh, Amazon connection, and there's uh, Alexa, which I'm not a huge fan of. Um, but like, throw Prime Video on there. Like, yeah, watch the boys. Right. Shout Why? out to the boys. Great show. <laughs> 
all that stuff. So, you know, there's, there's definitely room for improvement on there. Um, but I think they're working on it. I think, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, all right, do I trust this company? Is this company a good company? Um, and it does seem like they care about the right things. You know, they've never built a gas car, so I don't, you know, hate them for that. <laughs> they're a little bit in too, too in bed with, uh, Amazon in my opinion, but mm-hmm. I think that was kind of like, you know, a deal with the double they had to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm as soon as they think dingle a little hundred thousand orders were in front of them, like, yeah, how can you say no to that? Right. Exactly. <laughs> it just, it just comes with, I don't know what percentage of the company. They own. I know it's not a majority at least. No, it's like, yeah. not, not, it's like around 20% or something. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm sure they, they didn't really want to put a Lux on there necessarily, but yeah. you know, th- part of the deal. Um, so I don't know. I feel really good about the company, really good about the cars. Um, I think, you know, I read some other reviews pr- pretty much across the board. People love the car, the vehicle, you know, it was fun. It's crazy fast. I mean, it's, it's, you know, three seconds in a truck is crazy. Like it feels like it, it's, it's like, don't go any faster than that, please. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the mole X does it too. And, it's impressive in that too, but the Mall X, even though it is an SUV and, and functionality, it doesn't look as an SUV as much. Like you, if no. you you keep the Mall X at the low suspension level, it can pass as like a car. Like you put on, it's like it's as face a fake mustache kind of car. Right. It just it almost passes. This looks like an SUV. Like it's a it's a big SUV. Yeah, and and if you take the Model X even on like dirt roads, it's like well, out of its own. Yeah, right. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, this is still uh, what what uh, Riven calls an adventure vehicle. Uh, here you have a good picture of the of the back with the third row down, and I assume this here is the lining that you pull towards you, uh, like a, like a tailgate almost. Um, that I think that's just the flat area. I think the lining we pulled off entirely. There's there's okay. two sliding like uh, you know holders for stuff. I don't think people are going to use that too often. These you're talking about? Yeah. Um, you know, but this year, this year, what it, like uh, it looks that's like the, it almost. That's the door uh, that goes down okay. in the back. Okay, it's a it's it's a tailgate, like it's a yeah. tailgate door. Okay. And then, um, okay, you know, yeah, it's closed here. Okay, 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 but that's a lot of room, and that's with the uh, second seat up, the middle row yeah. up. So, you know, for car camping and mm-hmm. stuff, uh, it, I think this is probably going to be one of the better cars. Again, they should you know put some more entertainment features on the. Uh, screen but um you know you got a lot more room than you would have in a model y and here what it looks like someone coming out of the third row yeah so you have a nice step at least to get out yeah and that's the other thing uh you know getting out of a ford f-150 or a, a hummer ev like they actually have a step because you mm-hmm. need it because you're like you know you're basically just parachuting out of the, the driver's seat mm-hmm. whereas this is like a little bit more reasonable especially when um they have the, the wheels down and there's, yeah, like, I guess it's not a step. I guess it's just like a, a, a just a place to, to, to put your foot, your foot down so that you, you, you can get out. It's not yeah. like a step underneath the, the chassis of the car. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's like 15 inches, 16 inches, 15.8 inches of travel. So, you know, when it's fully up, you've got a lot of space underneath. And then when it's fully down, you're kind of like, it feels a lot more like a car. And it, when it's in sport mode, it, it handles really well. Like I think that might be one of the understated 
uh, attributes to this vehicle or, or Rivian vehicles is they really spent a lot of time on the suspension, like the car, like uh, sports car, like suspension. And you can really like take turns and, and uh, it really feels like a, a car than, than a pickup or a SUV. Mm-hmm. But once you're like, I know you said he's shorter and everything, but when you're in, you're driving the truck, uh, does it feel very much like driving the R1T? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, term of, in term of your position and uh, in, in contrast to the road. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that the only hardware difference be, you know, before you hit, you know, ahead of the B pillar is that um, there's a, you know, there's a chrome around the outside and then there's the uh, windshield wiper for the rear window. And there's nothing else different from mm-hmm. the back seat forward. So you're basically getting the same car with a, a, a slightly different back. And they, they both weigh the same, but because the R1S is a little bit shorter, it handles a little bit better, I would say, um, in terms of you know t- turning and uh, stuff like that. So I don't know. It seems like the best car out there for me right now. Uh, and it, you know, it, it just checks every box. It's, it's kind of like crazy how many boxes it checks. It's hard to argue against that. Yeah. Uh, since we're closing down the R1S review portion, I see a few questions about the vehicle here that you could answer. And uh, uh, when do you expect the delivery? So I was told initially that I would, be getting it uh this summer like right about now so obviously that's not going to happen mm-hmm. uh so i think the latest thinking is early 2023 um i'm hoping to get it before uh winter's over so we can take it to vermont a few times but uh you know i don't i don't know it if they if they ever let us switch places then you know yeah. uh i think the first deliveries are kind of going out now Um, the, you know, these were production vehicles. So, um, you know, I think the first ones are going out soon and they'll probably be on, uh, you know, the auction sites for, you know, $150,000 for those who do, you know, really want one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the happening. And uh, do you monitor the Rivian group on Facebook? There seem to be mixed delivery and early ownership reports from new users. Has there been any concerns on that front? I haven't heard one myself. Uh, yeah, I have heard that, you know, the, the, they're ramping up and the, the new, uh, what are they called? Uh, guides, uh, the people that are basically the people who interface with the customers that they're, you know, they're very new. They don't know that like what the answers are to the questions. So I think, you know, Rivian, like any other company that ramps up is, uh, having some growing pains, getting some, you know, maybe not the greatest, uh, people involved mm-hmm. initially. So, but I think that's all growing pains and they have been, you know, addressing, like I was at the Brooklyn, uh, service center. There were, you know, the, that, uh, what's that called? The target cover, the, the thing that covers the bed of the pickup, like keeps breaking on people's, uh, the bed cover. Huh? Yeah, the, yeah. The bed yeah. cover, um, keeps breaking. So, And they had a couple of them in and they're supposedly redesigning it or whatever. So, um, yeah, they're working on it. It's, it's a growing pains thing. And I think, uh, they're doing as, as good as they can. I mean, the thing is I kind of trust this company. I, I like the, the founder. I like the people I've met. So, 
I feel good about, you know, them, you know, they're not trying to screw us over or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good transition to the next uh, news item that we're going to discuss today, which is uh, Rivian released their Q2 production and delivery numbers. And uh, it looks like uh, a significant ramp up in Q2 uh, quarter over quarter. They achieve production of 4,401 units and delivered 4,467 units. Uh, Unfortunately, they are not breaking down uh, by models. I think they're almost entirely R1Ts now. Yeah, but there has to be some uh, delivery vans in there too. Oh, right, yeah. And and then, yeah, in in terms of R1S, R1T split, obviously more R1T, but... Uh, still should be a few on 1S, and at least in the production, uh, maybe not the deliveries. Uh, so for total, that brings up uh, 7,969 units uh, since the production started uh, late last year. And um, with those results, uh, they are, again, reiterating their expectation of 25,000 units this year. So this is uh, encouraging. Uh, RJ's Karen, the CEO and the founder, as supply chain and production are ramping up. So he's kind of uh, hinting that uh, they are ironing out some of the issues that have been um, leading to, to, to the limited production. Uh, and that would also be in line with them reiterating 25,000 units because uh, if uh, I understand correctly, they are they produced around uh, six 7,000 units so far this year. Uh, so that would require uh, a significant ramp up during the second half of the year to hit that 25,000 mark. Uh, but uh, yeah, still like it looks like they produce about twice as many units this quarter as they did last quarter. Uh, on a quarter to quarter basis, this is pretty good. And uh, if they keep doubling like that, uh, they should be able to hit the twenty five thousand units. Of course, the big the big thing that we've been hammering about uh, Rivian, uh, it's still even though we are confident that the company will survive, and uh, these are difficult times financially. Like uh, raising more money can be difficult, especially for the uh, auto industry. Uh, of course, I don't expect Rivian to need to raise money anytime soon. They were still sitting on like sixteen billion dollars as of the end of last quarter, but they are burning through cash like crazy. And if they keep having a negative margin on those vehicles while uh, ramping it up to higher volume, then they're going to burn money even faster. So this is definitely something to keep an eye on, but it's not like red alert time just yet. So let's not panic. Uh, it's just something to keep an eye on. Tunnel cover. Thank you, Mr. Turkneck. Yep. Uh, it's a French word. Yeah, I should have known that. It's just I'm not a pickup guy. I want to be. It's just there's not a lot of electric version yet or for me to have access to uh, a tunnel a tunnel cover i'll remember it uh, mr turkey neck thank you again <laughs> all right rivian uh, released their production number but tesla did too last weekend um which is uh they delivered about uh, the expectation uh, following the shutdown of gigafactory shanghai we knew that it was going to be tesla's first uh, down quarter in terms of deliveries and production uh for the last uh, at least two years really i think it was nine quarters in a row that uh um, that that they had growth quarter to quarter, which is massive, especially in a time that most automakers was the com- the contrary. Is <laughs> every quarter going down with the pandemic and then the supply chain issues that followed and everything? So Tesla actually uh, managed to grow, except last quarter, and that was due to the Gigafactory Shanghai shutdown because of the COVID restriction in the cities that were were quite important. I mean, they were literally uh, locking down like half of the city as at a time. Uh, so yeah, uh, Tesla is. Re- oh, that's. 
Oh, I didn't put the, uh, okay, let me just go here, right there. Okay. Um, production of 258,580 units. Uh, most of those are Model 3, Model Y, 242,000, 16,400 Model S and X. In terms of deliveries, uh, almost the same for Model S and X, 16,162. And for Model 3 and Y, uh, about 4,000 units less than they produced, 200,000. 238,533 for total vehicle uh, deliveries of uh, 254,695, 4% uh, of those on lease. Uh, Tesla did note, of course, they kind of have to after like the first down quarter in a while, they had to put this little silver lining in there. And that silver lining is the fact that uh, they uh, achieve a record monthly production uh, for June. So we kind of saw that coming. We reported last month that uh, Tesla had a surprising, uh, significant ramp up in production at Gigafactory Texas at the end of uh, the quarter uh, due to introducing the uh, Model Y long range uh, at, the, at the new production facility with the 2170 cells as the 4680 appeared to still be a, a massive bottleneck for the company. And uh, the next growth phase, the next big growth phase where Tesla is going to come when the availability of those battery cells are going to be more um, uh, high, higher volume. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for, for, for Tesla's production and delivery results. Since those delivery results came out, a lot of the headlines this week were about Tesla not being the world's largest uh, electric vehicle producer anymore, BYD took them over according to all the, the news media here. Like, it was a ton of reports on that. Like the, just you know how it is like when there's, when there's something that appears to be big news, like everyone is just going to parrot the same headlines nonstop. Uh, we kind of did a little report on it because I, I don't think it's exactly fair to say that because if you break down and I, I, and it's, this is no like slight on BYD whatsoever. I think, BYD is also a very important company in, in terms of accelerating EV adoption. It's just that they are still, like, they are a holder company when it comes to delivering electric vehicles because they have been mostly delivering uh, plug-in hybrids for a long time. And many uh, people, including all the media that reported that news that Tesla is no longer the biggest EV producer, uh, classify plug-in hybrids into electric vehicles. Uh, which is fair to a degree, is just I think it still needs a distinction because if you look at BYD cells, um, they reported 638,000 EV cells in 2022, but um, 314,000 of those, so roughly half of those, were uh, plug-in hybrids. Uh, so that's the number they used to beat Tesla because Tesla, uh, in the first half of 2022, delivered 564,000 units, but those were all, all electric vehicles, which I think is an important distinction because most people that are in the know in the industry are aware that plug-in hybrids are were a transitional technology, and we are at the very end of that technology right now, of that transition. With a, like, I don't, I don't foresee any serious automaker right now uh, releasing a new vehicle program that's plug-in hybrid. Like that, that would surprise me. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, people do like plugins for for various reasons um some people argue that like all right you have a fixed amount of batteries that you have for the year wouldn't it make sense to put those batteries in more cars and in smaller packs and then have hybrid and that's a pretty good argument to make but you know in the long term you know we're all going to electric vehicles um so it it doesn't it's it's not the same thing um but you know, we should also congratulate BYD mm -hmm. on making a ton of uh, 
you know, plug-in hybrid vehicles. It just, you know, the plug-in hybrid is just also has like kind of a bad connotation because, you know, we've had the Prius plug-in and it, there's it, some it, bad ones. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, but, and the ideas is not a bad ones too, in terms of like, they have a significant electric range in them too. It's right. not like a 30 miles or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, BYD should be congratulated for sure. Um, but like, you know, I think BMW and Prius ruined, yeah. ruined the PHEV for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, in, in a perfect world, the plug-in hybrid make, uh, makes a lot of sense. It's just that uh, like you, you lose a lot of the advantage of electric vehicles because, uh, you you still have an internal combustion engine in there and everything that breaks with combustion engine, everything that needs maintenance of the combustion engine, everything that all of that is still there. It's a much more complex product because you have literally two different uh, source of energy to two different powertrains in there. Uh, not two different powertrains because everything is still powered by the, the electric motor technically, but you do have a combustion engine trying to generate some power in that, and then the, the battery. Uh, so you have like one more thing to break. It's like the, everything is in double almost. So it's not, it, it's just not an, like everything in the all electric vehicle just makes more sense. Um, all right. So while we had Tesla's production numbers, uh, for the first time, we actually get the. Um, Tesla's a solar deployment before uh, the actual monthly um, quarterly report. No, not monthly, <laughs> quarterly reports uh, that is coming. I think it's coming on the 20th for, or 22nd for Tesla this month. Uh, so it's going quite soon. But Electric just got their hands on the solar deployment a little bit faster. And uh, it was a record quarter for Tesla in terms of uh, residential deployment in the U.S. Uh, so 71.5 megawatt of solar deployed. Uh, actually, Tesla installed a lot more than that. I think they installed closer to 76 megawatts, but uh, Tesla can only consider solar system deployed once it's also inspected uh, and turned online. I don't know if those two come together, but uh, there's a difference between the actual installation and the deployment. Uh, so that's actually a little bit smaller than what Tesla is going to report uh, later this month. I assume it's going to be a, a, a record a record quarter for them uh, overall because uh, what we have here is just the U.S. residential solar market, uh, which to be fair is Tesla's vast majority of installation comes from that. But Tesla also has some commercial installations and a little bit of installation outside the U.S. So uh, the, the, the number is always a little bit bigger. Uh, but the real uh, important news here uh, and more disappointing news uh, is that uh, for the first time, we actually have the breakdown between uh, Tesla's solar panels retrofit. So when they install solar panels on the roof and the solar roof tiles, which is which Tesla has been marketed as the future of the industry right now. Uh, but uh, the they've never told us how many of those they installed. The, the only little tidbits of information we had, uh, like a few quarters ago, Tesla said that they doubled the solar installation, but they doubled from what? We don't even know. So terrible information. And uh, even worse information and a good example of how you have to be careful when you take Tesla's and the information that they put out there is then when they, they've been talking about this goal of making 1,000 solar roof per week. Um, that was Elon's stated goal since back in 2019, I think. In 2020, they announced that uh, they, reached, they reached that by producing 4 megawatts of solar tiles in one week. So uh, big distinction here is that solar, solar tiles production is not installation. Installation is a giant bottleneck for, for this product. So it's just the production of the tiles. And also saying that four megawatt of solar tiles equal a thousand roof is a, a is a nonsensical statement because that would assume four kilowatt of solar tiles per installation while we don't have the average of it right now 
but it has to be at least double of that. So at least eight kilowatts. And that's the conservative state because I see most projects between 10 and 12, I think. Uh, but that's the project that gets reported and everything. We don't know like this and deploys a lot of projects that we don't know about too. So as a conservative estimate, I put eight kilowatts as the average system. So that would put half of what Tesla is claiming there. But now let's get an actual real deployment number. The real deployment number is 2.5 megawatt for the entire quarter, the entire last quarter. Uh, so if you use the number of eight kilowatt per system again, uh, you end up with about 300 roofs uh, in uh, in Q2 or 23 per week. Uh, so a very, very far from a thousand per week still. So it shows that there's still major issues in uh, ramping up a solar solar roof from Tesla, um, which is a great product on paper. Like uh, and and on the houses, it just looks awesome. Like uh, everyone is, is agreeing on that. It's just that the deployment is is not there right now. Uh, we knew that Tesla has ha- was having a lot of issues in terms of uh, validating the longevity of the product. Because when people put that on the roof, they, they do want the, the warranty to be uh, accurate and, and to last for 25 plus years. Uh, but Tesla hasn't talked about that for a while. So we thought that was figured out and maybe it was more actual the installation bottleneck because these are somewhat difficult to install. Though Tesla made them easier with the V3 that they launched a few years ago. Uh, we're we're already at the version three of this product now. Like this is there was version one, version two. Now we're at version three, and you're, we're still at a crawl in terms of deployment. So a little bit disappointing on that front. I'm not gonna lie. Mm. All right. Uh, in terms of uh, Tesla ramping up production, we have uh, Gigafactory Berlin, uh, which, as we reported, we were sur- Berlin looked like there was there was ahead in terms of uh, the ramp up ahead of Texas. I mean. But then at the end of June, Tesla brings the 2170 cells back for the long-range version. And then, boom, uh, production ramps up. So it looks like Gigafactory Berlin is the one falling behind. But now Tesla, uh, at least a local report in Germany from uh, Build, says that Tesla is going to shut down the, temp- the, the operation at Gigafactory Berlin for two weeks starting uh, next Monday. So this Monday coming up. And uh, they're going to use that time to upgrade the production. And uh, add a, add a shift, add a third shift to the to the factory. So uh, this this gonna should uh, significantly increase production. Though we don't have actual uh, numbers on that, uh, but we knew that uh, Tesla hit the thousand units per week. I think uh, in early June, if I remember correctly. So I would assume that Tesla is at least looking to double that because uh, they want to be at least at five thousand units plus. Even ten thousand units would be the more like uh, higher hand of the goal for the end of the year. So. Yeah, I mean, if they're adding a shift, uh, that's a, you know, if there's two shifts already and they're adding a third mm-hmm. shift, then, you know, it's a 50% increase. And, you know, if they're taking two weeks off, they'll make up for those two weeks in pretty fast, a, yeah. a four week in a month. Yeah. And then, then they'll be going beyond that. I mean, you know, and, that, and that, that, that 50% number that I just brought up, that's just the actual like uh, man hour that you can, you can put on the, on the line. Right. Normally it's exponentially uh, increased production because uh, they, they can really focus on some of the bottlenecks because right now let's say that the production is a thousand units per week, but maybe most station can do 2000 units per week. It's just that it might be just one single station that brings it everything down to a thousand units. So right. if you can mend that up a little bit better, uh, you, you can, uh, you can significantly increase production fast. All right, moving on. Elon uh, yesterday teased this highly configurable robovan. He uh, he posted on Twitter, and this is how <laughs> we shouldn't say this one. 
<laughs> yeah, not this. This is a, a render from a fan based on the Tesla Semi, if you want, like kind of a RV uh, Tesla. But uh, so we don't know what it's going to look like. He sort of put the idea on Twitter. But yeah, it, as someone who reports on Tesla, you, you have to have kind of an understanding on Elon's mindset when he posts things on Twitter, because a lot of it is just uh, at replies to other people. So someone else suggests something. And he just responds to that. These are, unless the, unless the response is very clear and an affirmative and a negative, uh, you, you have to take them as a grain of salt. But in this case, he, uh, it wasn't at replies. It was a straight up tweet to people, uh, sort of like gauging people's interest in this. Uh, maybe Tesla should make a highly configurable robo van for people and cargo. Um, so... This is an idea that has been floated around a lot of times, actually. It dates back to tes- uh, to Elon's master plan part two for Tesla, dating in 2016. Uh, there was a bunch of vehicles that were sort of early announced in those uh, in that master plan, including the Cybertruck. It wasn't named the Cybertruck back then, but there was a lot of things that, w- that were announced in that, uh, the, the Model Y and a bunch of others. Everything was unveiled, not brought to production. Example, Cybertruck, but everything was unveiled in that plan except for uh, a high-capacity passenger vehicle that was that was never unveiled. Uh, so that was thought to be a van. Or uh, at that time, Milan was sort of talking about like a, a modified version of the Model X, like using the Model X sh- chassis, but uh, uh, fitting more people than uh, just a third row. I, I don't know how that would work exactly because Model X already has a third row. But it was you felt like you could use the same. Uh, architecture as the Model X and deliver something that has higher passenger volume. And uh, then the idea came back to in like to, uh, 2020 when the Boring Company, uh, well, the Boring Company, there was always a talk of the Boring Company uh, instead of just using straight consumer vehicle from Tesla inside those loop uh, system tunnels to use a higher capacity passenger vehicle um, to make it actually maybe a little bit even more like a subway, yeah. <laughs> but, but a subway that gets you to your end destination instead of having to stop at every stop. The main difference with the loop system. Um, so uh, that was specifically with uh, a project that Tesla had in Southern California, uh, in in Ontario, if I remember correctly, in this like, San Bernardino, San what's that? Bernardino, yeah, yeah, Valley area. Um, to um to, to make a loop system there and one of the officials that uh, were um evaluating the proposal did mention at that time that tesla was working on a 12 passenger vehicle uh to work with the boring company's loop so this would work with that and also elon mentioned cargo um elon did also say that, that tesla would do a van at one point um just that tesla was waiting to have enough battery cells to make it happen. Otherwise, they were just negatively affecting their existing vehicle program by reducing production to uh, divert some cell supply to those, to new vehicle program like a robovan. Yeah, and so how exactly did you describe the uh, minibus or whatever that was in the uh, master plan too? Do you remember it? Yeah, I can pull that up real quick for you. Um, Where's the quote? Uh, okay. In addition to consumer vehicles, there are two other types of uh, electric vehicle needed: heavy-duty trucks and high-passenger density urban transport. So, high-passenger okay. density urban transport. So that's 
I mean, I think that's clearly what he's talking about. And then mm-hmm. the fact that it's a robo van seems like that's a uh, when it when is the current uh, timeline for the batter or sorry the AI day two? I think it's some September thirtieth. So September thirtieth. That's uh, I don't know two or three months. It seems like a pretty good chance that we'll see what that is at that point. I'm only curious. Like I think I I wonder if it's going to have you know, a steering wheel, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, or if it's going to be one nah. of those things. Yeah, there's no, no, I don't think there's going to be any steering wheels. Because okay. I think that the, the way, uh, I mean, in the case of the RoboVan, I'm basing this more of the RoboTaxi dedicated vehicle that he's announced at Cyber Rodeo. And uh, the fact that he says it's going to be a dedicated, like, RoboTaxi vehicle, everything's going to be designed around the, the vehicle driving itself, uh, I think. Uh, but I, I get I get where why you would think that something would be announced at AI Day because he keeps like seeing the Robo 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 like it's gonna drive itself and everything. Uh, it would make sense, but at the same time, he's been like even said that they delayed the whole AI Day not for those Robo Taxi uh, vehicles programs, but for uh, the the Optimus the humanoid robot. So I don't know. I think that that's gonna be the the main the main. Well, maybe part maybe of the Optimus show. will be driving the uh, Robo Taxi. <laughs> oh, oh, you think you figured it out? I yeah. think you might have figured it out, Seth. Yeah. Uh, all right speaking of things that you figured out we also have a few um things about the tesla software update this week that we want to discuss i'm going to jump to that and then go back up to the others uh the scanning for potholes um this is uh something that you brought uh (laughs) we talked about it uh, recently actually but your first time you brought it up was oh isn't your tweet in there Oh, I put it in there and then I took it out. I, I, huh? It didn't seem kind of like whatever. Okay. Uh, anyway. Uh, the 2018 or something like that, if I remember correctly. This idea of, uh, I guess one of the main problems, and I know for me, uh, I'm a big user with the pilot. I use it a lot. And um, the only times that I have to take control for whatever uh, reason, it, w- it would be phantom braking, which Tesla has yet to fix in those cars. Big problem, safety issue. Uh, that Tesla really needs to fix. Sometimes the vehicle just slow down for no reason. Have to accelerate for it, take control. The other time is I live in Quebec. The roads are terrible. We have very tough winter. We have uh, from below freezing and then it's very hot. So it's terrible for the road. Also, a lot of corruption in construction that leads to people using like terrible asphalt and everything. But uh, anyway, so we have a ton of potholes and the autopilot will keep you in the lane but if that means that you have to drive over a giant pothole and destroy your $4,500 wheels uh they don't care but <laughs> doesn't care about that and does it so i that's one of my main thing well actually but i i do like autopilot for that too because it does remove some of the uh tasks that comes with driving and you you can pay more attention to the road and everything and i do pay very good attention to the road and spot those potholes as soon as i spot ew, i take over from autopilot uh, but uh, now in the um, we're not quite about autopilot just yet, though it does definitely use autopilot uh, features. But in the new 2022.20 software update that came out this week, uh, Tesla that's for the Mole S and X because it specifically used the adaptive suspension. Uh, Tesla writes in the release note: Tesla adaptive suspension will now adjust ride height for an upcoming rough road section. This adjustment may occur at various locations, subject to availability as Tesla vehicle downloads rough map data generated by Tesla vehicles. So this is the interesting part here. So it's not autopilot getting to avoid the, uh, the these, it's the suspension trying to avoid any damage f- from them. 
which is good too. But the, the interesting part here is that it's the Tesla vehicle that are scanning the roads for for um, for what they call rough road section, which of course means like potholes and things like that. And um, and they generate a map from that that then other Tesla vehicles can use and not uh, and try to avoid any damage with them with the Tesla suspension. The logical next step, obviously, is going to be to have Autopilot try to avoid those 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 potholes and rough road sections uh, when possible. We're not quite there yet, but if this is the obvious first step is to have that data uh, that Tesla is now collecting. Of course, your other idea set is to use that data and then send it to the local authorities in charge of repairing those roads and which of course they won't use but <laughs> your other idea on top of it was to like publish it online and kind of shame them which uh i don't know might might be a might work a little bit more i think i think it's bound to happen like i think yeah. once you have that data like where are all the potholes and you have a map of that and you could you could publicize it like why not i i feel like uh that that's the ultimate outcome. By the way, this was on the back of me inventing uh, the century, uh, <laughs> century, and then I have a new idea that I'm going to add on top of that, and that's making the frunk refrigeratable because I think that's going to be a big thing for for tailgate tailgating, groceries, etc. So that's, who has that? Uh, isn't there someone that has that though? I talked to Rivian about it, and they were mm-hmm. like, "Oh, that's a good idea," but you know. They were probably yeah. just. Oh no, nice. they're not okay. Uh, Ford is. Uh, uh, you can put water in it, and, and, but you, like you can put like ice in it, and it's it's. But it's not rich, refrigerable, but it's uh, what's the more? Yeah, you drain not, drain. It's waterproof. Yeah, it's waterproof. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, R- Rivian also has that, and I think um, somebody else was doing something like that with the front. But like, if you could make it refrigeratable, and you have a refrigeratable compartment, possible. Mm-hmm. And it's you know if you look at like DC refrigerated. You like coolers that you can put in your car and plug into your mm-hmm. lighter. It's like not not that hard to figure out. And then no. you could have like a little button on your dashboard re- or you know on Turn your screen. Off, yeah. yeah. So, all right. the The other update that was interesting in the twenty twenty two dot twenty was the green light. The green traffic light chime is uh, being expanded to uh, other vehicles than just the the one that have FSD package. So this is something that I've had in my car for a while since I have the FSD package, and it is it is, uh, it is quite useful. So what it does is, uh, if you are at a red light and you're not paying attention, as uh, people often do, and the light turns green, you have a little chime that lets you know inside the car, so that the people behind you don't start road raging and, and honking at you uh, because you're not driving fast enough. And uh, we've used it plenty of time for because. Uh, once we are at the red light, it's literally the time where me and my girlfriend will start arguing about something <laughs> playfully. Of course, I'm not, I'm not beating her or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, we, uh, we we start arguing or something, and then oh, there's like your, your green light is on, and like ching, the chime comes in. Like it, it's a, a lot more useful than I thought it would be. Uh, and now it's not just for people that paid twelve thousand dollars to get to get the FLD. You know what's funny is. Um, when I have that on the, um, so we we have it on the Model Y because we have the full self driving yeah. whatever. Um, when I know that I have that, I feel more comfortable to go down and look at my phone. You know, be like, oh, you know, yeah. I got a red light. I can check my phone, and and I'll hear the bang, and I'll put the phone down and go. Um, but like when I'm not in the car that has that, I you know I won't pick up the phone because I know I have to look at the light the whole time. So that that'll give people an extra few seconds to check their emails and whatever yeah 
Though be careful when doing that. Yeah, just yesterday very I was, careful. yeah, I was I was driving and electric I doesn't someone, recommend. As I, I saw someone doing that at a red light uh, in front of me, and a cop just pulled right next to them, and lucky enough, they didn't get any ticket. And told me the, the cop was like, "Hey, eh, drop your phone right now. Even if you're at a red light, you can still get a ticket." Also, Tesla is doing it right because I, I know that other people have introduced such features, and that has caused problems where you get used to it and you wait for that to to come in because you're again not paying attention. Um, but if you do that, like you will do it, even if you're a car in front of you, Tesla put that chime in on, on only if there, if there's no car in front of you or the car in front of you has started driving already so that you're not like second in line and then it turns green and then boom, you start pressing on the accelerator and it's just rear oh, right. someone. This yeah. is terrible. Cause, cause I, 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 I'm so used to that feature now that I start pressing on the accelerator as soon as I hear the chime, which is, uh, I, mean, not, I don't recommend that. You should always be looking forward. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm turning forward as I, as I press it. Of course, like I'm looking ahead and just pressing the accelerator without looking where I'm going. But there is a risk that comes with that. Now, the next step after that, which I would like Tesla to implement, is something that Audi has already implemented that is, is very cool, is that you not only have a, a, a chime that lets you know once the line turned green, which Tesla only does based on his uh, computer vision system, is that there's some cities now that you can that the you can connect to the internet to your car through their traffic light system, and it actually as you reach a red light, it gives you a countdown for the green light. So you 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 were talking about checking your emails and everything. Now you know exactly how much time you're going to spend on that red light, so that you can actually do what you want to do in your car uh, until then. So this is very cool. Obviously, it's only available in cities where they have that system that's uh, available through, I uh, assume, an API for uh, automakers. Uh, so I'm, I know I've tried it when I tried the Audi e-tron back in the day in the in Northern California. Uh, when we arrived in Sacramento, the, Sacramento had that system. So uh, we experienced it on, the, on some uh, red light, and, and it was extremely useful. Also, it lets you know how much time you spend on red light sometimes. Like you arrive at the red line and it says like two minutes. You're like, what? You spend how much time on red light sometimes? I know. Yeah. And it's even worse in places like Florida and they have these like seven lane like yeah. boulevards and stuff. It's just rough. No, I drive to Montreal yesterday and sometimes you have to, the a red light, a, a, a traffic light has to turn green four times before I can actually cross it because oh. there's that many cars there. Uh, all right, this is the this is pretty cool. Uh, this is something that Tesla brought at um, another car show, at a technology show in Hanover, Germany. It's a trailer with deployable solar in it, so like a kind of a range extender uh, trailer here, uh, with a Starlink uh, SpaceX Starlink dish on top. Sorry for for internet connection. So it's kind of a one-off thing that they brought there. It's not. I don't think it's something that this is going to offer to customers anytime soon, uh, but it's still pretty cool. Uh, I thought so, at least. And um, the I, I, I uh, suggested people in the comment section to let us know if they would want such a thing or if they what they would do with it. And people had plenty of idea for it, and they want they really wanted to to be offered to customers, but. Uh, it's uh, it, it, I just don't see Tesla offering this anytime soon. But maybe a third-party company because uh, there's uh, I mean, they, it would it's be better. It's not rocket science. It's not rocket it. science, but there is some uh, difficulties in terms like okay, can you, like Tesla, you cannot like drive when the the car is plugged in, for example. Right. So you would need a way to override that because you would need to actually plug that thing into the car as you drive if you want to actually use it as a uh, range extender as you're driving. If not, it's just something that you 
carry behind your car and when you stop you deploy it and then you charge at the same time which is still useful to a degree but not as useful as it, like if you're actually carrying that of course you don't deploy the the side panels but you still have what uh probably three 300 watt panel on this you have almost a kilowatt just without being deployed right uh that's a significant amount of power that you can get in as you're driving too oh i think it's actually if you do like those are about 300 watts each so there's nine of them so it's like 2.7 yeah yeah one deploy but i mean when it's not deployed oh yeah 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 Yeah, and you got the battery in there so you know i i don't know honestly if it's going to even be positive because you got the extra added weight and whatever but it's great for like a emergency uh, like you deploy that you, you right. can bring those uh, and like there's a, a natural disaster or something you can bring those out and it's a quick way to deploy the to have a, a power and internet in this case because you also have the starlink satellite uh, dish on it so it's very cool all right, we have uh, one more news item that I want to discuss uh, before we jump into the comments. So I see that already, uh, like I know we not we are early th- today, so we don't have as many people watching live, unfortunately, because uh, uh, I need to uh, get on the road uh, this afternoon. So uh, I'm sorry I had to push this a little bit uh, sooner. But if you guys have any questions right now, put them in the comment section. It can either be about what we discussed earlier today or other topics that we want to discuss in the EV world this week. And we're going to get to it after we discuss a tiny bit about Celine. It's kind of a, what do you call those? Uh, PSA? Public yeah. service announcement? Yeah. It's kind of a public service announcement because uh, Celine is back and trying to raise money uh, and, um, if, and they are still using Tesla's name for it. They're still talking about... Uh, modifying tesla vehicles which is there's nothing wrong with that per se but uh i feel for uh, people in the industry that are not aware of the selling story to date uh it's a it, it's a good to know before you ever uh, if you receive one of those notices because this week uh, no, was it this yeah it was earlier this week a bunch of people sent me this notice that uh, steve selling has been selling uh to what whatever kind of mailing list they got um people that are probably have shown some interest in in a Tesla vehicle or electric vehicle or tuned tuned uh, vehicle, where they are soliciting like kind of a crowdfunding round to raise twenty million dollars at five hundred uh, minimum investment of five hundred dollars. And uh, I was like, I have a long history with Celine uh, myself, so I, already like a quicker red flag goes. Okay, what's what's wrong with this time? Because <laughs> the the company is uh, when they raise money, there's always there's always something shady going on. And sure enough, this one didn't take me long to find. It was right there in the SEC notice. Uh, if you actually like follow through, like if you if you click the link of the notice of investment, you get like this nice like investor presentation with all the sweet things and everything. But then you also always have the SEC link where you get the real official document that you have to look to. And right away you get investor in this offering will grant an irrevocable voting proxy to the company's CEO that will limit their ability to vote their share of common stock purchase in this offering until the occurrence of certain events specified in the proxy, none of which may ever occur. <laughs> so this is basically telling you, like, if you buy shares in this company, uh, you don't get a vote. Zero guarantee. Yeah, there's no guarantee that you're ever going to be able to get a vote. Uh, for now, the proxy goes to Steve Saline that has complete control over the company. Uh, or at least a complete control over your shares uh, when it comes to voting for anything in the company. And uh, if you don't know about uh, the, the history of uh, Saline, Saline back in the day used to be a pretty cool company. 
as a kid, I, I loved it. I was playing Forza, and I would my favorite car in Forza was the Saline S7, uh, which was a great supercar for the time. Came out in 2000, 2001, 2002, something like that, and it was extremely powerful for the time. And of course, Saline was mostly known for tuning Mustangs with their, their superchargers, and uh, they also have a body kit and look pretty cool. A lot of people love the look of the Saline. And uh, Steve Saline himself was the CEO of the company. Before that, he was a, a great uh, race car driver. Uh, but when it comes to business operation, uh, from my sources that I've worked with him for years, uh, not the greatest businessman. And uh, and to, to be fair, I mean, not a lot of people managed to survive in the auto industry during the 2008-2009 crisis. And he was uh, one of them. The company was one of them, and they went bankrupt. Um they uh, and before that they were quite big. Like they they had uh, they have a direct relationship with Ford. They were the one assembling and painting the Ford GT, another great supercar. Uh, but again, financial crisis didn't survive. They tried to relaunch the brand in two thousand in the early two thousand tens. They went public in two thousand thirteen, but they went public. Like if if there was a hierarchy of how you go public, like you go with the initial public offering on the Nasdaq or whatever or whatever exchange you're talking about. Like this is like the the prime way to go public. Then these days you have SPAC deals that are below that. And then you want to go even below those SPACs deal. You do you do um, a reverse merger on the OTC market. <laughs> that is the bottom of the bottom. Uh, you have to, and, and to be fair, it doesn't mean that it's a, it's a scam. It doesn't mean that it's a, a, a shady company and everything. It's just a, a cheapest way to go public but it's also the most expensive way in terms of like the, the percentage of the cash that you're going to actually get to use for the company versus what everybody gets their grubby hands on, uh, all the middlemen involved in there. And there were a lot of those when it comes to Celine. And um, so in 2013, they, they relaunched the company uh, as like, hey, we're going to go electric. It's like, oh, Tesla was starting to get some traction back then. They were uh, going crazy in the uh, on the stock market. 2014, 2015 started growing like crazy. So... They're like, let's let's get some of that shine off, and uh, they uh, they even claim to be in partnership with Tesla. Uh, I have an email here that I posted where uh, they claim to be in full partnership in Tesla, and that uh, their their four sixteen Model S that they're gonna do uh, is gonna be fully uh, the remnant Tesla is gonna honor the warranty and everything. Turned out to be a complete lie. We confirmed with Tesla that they had no relationship whatsoever. Uh, with, with Celine and the the like, their customers were buying the car and then sending them to Celine, and Celine would modify them. They had no idea whatever what they were doing. Um, I mean, Tesla was had no idea what Celine was doing, and uh, they started taking millions in do- millions in, in customer deposit for the car, along from a few other cars that they were also tuning. And uh, and they they had no cash. They were taking millions in customer deposit, but they were reporting having basically no cash on end. Uh, to the ACC, which means that they were literally using the deposits for their operation and not for actually making the cars that they were owed to customers, which is a shady business practice, in my opinion, uh, mm. in case you want to sue me. And uh, I, 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 saw, which, I saw that. Which we should know that Celine did. Selling eventually did because what I did is I started reporting that to uh, especially back then I wasn't even working for Electric. That was in 2014. That was before I linked up with Set. Uh, and um, I started posting to the investor forum where they were promoting themselves because Saline was, even though they had no money, they had money to promote their stock, but not their actual cars that they were selling. 
So they were promoting their stocks on the on these boards, and I was letting them my finding because again, I didn't go into it as like, oh, screw Celine and everything. Like that. I go into it as like, oh, this could be cool. I remember Celine when I was back as a kid; it was it was awesome. Now they're going electric, but then I see I see that as a uh, back then also I was taking courses in uh, financial. Uh, statements and how to interpret like a financial filings and everything like that so that that was like a perfect way for me to apply that as looking in, in uh, uh looking into uh, studying filings so there was that that was one of the problem the way that they were handling their cash and third customer deposit coming in and going out through like salaries and 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 very big salaries to steve celine and and his daughter like his whole family business uh, and then the other thing was the convertible note. They were the way that they were raising money back then was uh, the, the the shell company that brought it public. Uh, it was owned by a guy uh, called David Weiner, who's uh, specialized in that. He just finance company that have some traction, uh, bring them public to reverse merger with a shell company that he owns, and then gives them huge convertible notes, so millions of dollars in convertible notes, but that convert very quickly into extremely discounted shares which dilute the stock immensely and we create a situation that is prime for what we call a pump and dump because a ton of shares become available to sell uh, and they get them super cheap so they don't mind selling them cheaper than the market is is right now because they're going to make money off of them too but doing that result in a big selling pressure on the stock and the stock start drop right now and you need more investors to buy into the stock on the public market because there's so many shares to, to unload. Uh, so what you create is a situation where you want to prompt up the company with a lot of press releases and things that might or might not happen. And then uh, just an average retail investor got interest in that company, buys the share that those big investors are starting to, starting to unload. So I was reporting that that's going to happen with the company. And that's when they sued me saying that I was claiming it was a pump and dump. And I was claiming I was, they had a concern with me saying that the way they handle customer deposit is akin to uh, a Ponzi scheme, which was completely first statement because a Ponzi scheme takes investment from uh, other investors to pay for existing investors to pay for the uh, the income of uh, existing investors, and that's kind of what Salim was doing with the customer customer deposit back then. They would use customer deposit from a new customer to pay for the car of an older customer that uh, they already spend the money of something else. So, uh, and again, I'm not saying that it is a Ponzi scheme because it's a different model. It's not investment; it's actual products, but it is akin to it. That's I think it's that's a fair thing to say. And uh, back then, I didn't have any money. I was like a twenty broke, twenty two year old. And they dropped a thirty thousand dollar lawsuit, thirty thousand in, in lawyers' fee. So I went to three different law firm, and they all told me the same thing. They told me like, "Look, you, you might be completely in the right. You might have the truth on your side and everything, but here's the truth: they paid this fancy firm in Montreal dollar thirty thousand dollars to drop this Bible sized lawsuit on you. And even if you're right and everything, I'm gonna need about thirty thousand dollars." In terms of like all my associates and everything that is going to work on this just to defend you. So they all said the same thing. He said, do whatever but does and settle because they were going to offer me an injunction, which is mean I shut up about it and then the suit doesn't go through. So after a lot of thinking about it and everything, I was like, all right, I'm not going to ruin myself or, uh, for, 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 for this. And I like, I was literally just doing it to like help people like just know, like be careful with this. You're going to lose your money on it. And sure. And I took the injunction, shut up about it. And Celine went to zero and they got delisted and people lost millions of dollars.
Uh, so it was a real bummer for me. But now I'm rich. <laughs> you want to sue me? Come at me. I'm going to defend myself with uh, the best lawyers I can find. Anyway, I don't think they can sue me because here's a situation. They're trying to raise money again because they're completely broke. Based on the last finding, they has fourteen. They have $14,000 in the bank right now. Uh, but they are still teasing uh, a new Tesla vehicle uh, tune and their own also electric vehicle because uh, they, they were going to launch their own electric vehicle with the Chinese company in 2019, but that went bankrupt within a year or two. Uh, so, and, and, and Steve Salin went into an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal crying to the public that the Chinese stole his company and uh, ruined him and everything without any mention whatsoever that just two years prior, he did the same thing with retail investors uh, that the Chinese did to him. But huh, uh, that's uh, that's what's bothering me right now. Like people in the, especially in the media, are still reporting Celine like this, like um, legendary. And, and to be fair, I don't know how Celine is involved into this himself. He might be just getting played by the the toxic note holders, like everybody else. He's just again, from what I hear from people that have worked directly with him, he's not extremely business savvy. He's like a car guy and like kind of the face of the company but business wise he has like not a great understanding of the financial markets and things like that so he might be getting played too but at the same time he was getting paid like six figure salaries while from the those convertible notes while retail investors were getting screwed so be careful uh always do your own due diligence before investing this is not any advertisement to invest or, or short the company really. i don't even know if you can short that company to be honest because it's it's delisted on the acc i don't i don't even know how you would uh, do that all right do we have a few questions to get into i think so yep we'll skip over some of the mm-hmm. ones we already addressed um and yeah sorry we're at a different time today so mm-hmm. Uh, T- Tom's Doan says, uh, I have no problem with Alexa. It's one of the best assistants, but the lack of Android Auto and CarPlay are real showstoppers. This is in regard to Rivian. Yeah, you know, I get that um, RJ and Co. don't want to put, don't want to give up their their vehicle platform to Apple and Google. And, you know, Google and Apple have very big designs on the whole automotive field. So I get that... Um, that, that Rivian wants to be more like Tesla and kind of own the whole platform of the vehicle. And of course, today you can play any m- music or sound coming from your phone or hook up an iPad. And actually, that's what one of the people said. Well, you want you want CarPlay, just get an iPad and stick it on the thing and you can do whatever the heck you want. So, you know, I get it, but like it would be a nice quick fix to just throw Android Auto and CarPlay on there. And, and they said hardware wise, we could do it tomorrow. Um, we we have the you know the trucks have the capability to put CarPlay and Android Auto on there, but they want to own the platform. And their the thought is, if they do put Android Auto on there, you can't take it off. Like once it's on there, and people, people are using get it, mad. Yeah, exactly. So they're not going to put it on there unless there's like a revolt, or you know they have to cut the their. Uh, development time or whatever so what you're saying basically is that like they they know that they could use it right now because their own platform is not up on par with android auto carplay but they do have the vision to have on par and then even better and within their own ecosystem and not having so they don't want to lose people right now so they know that like that's the logic behind it i think yeah and you know they could go even in a third direction with their you know amazon relationship they could put uh, the Amazon App Store on their 
directly on their device, kind of like a, a Kindle Fire tablet, uh, which would allow them to do things like uh, you know Skype or whatever. Not that that's a good idea for driving or not. Google, but, can you, you get know. Google Map through uh, the Amazon Store? Amazon you know, Amazon. I don't think you can. Uh, Google locks it into their own platform, mm -hmm. but you can get third-party mapping. I think maybe well, Waze is owned by Google, but there's like maybe Nokia Maps or something. But speaking of, how is the navigation, the native navigation of, of Rivian? Because because that, that that's the main thing really, like that people use those servers for. Like they use Apple for either using Google Maps or Apple Maps, and Android Auto to use Google Maps. So it's good. It's not great. It's not as good as Tesla, and it's definitely not as good as um, you know uh, Google, Google Maps. Map, or yeah. I would even say. I would I would rank them like Google Maps, Apple Maps, Tesla. Oh um, yeah, I would raise I would put Tesla above Apple, Apple Maps. Yeah, yeah. I think it depends on the area, but uh, yeah, I, I, they're very similar. And sometimes uh, Apple and you, you're you know you're right. I think Tesla is above Apple Maps, at least in my trust hierarchy. Like yeah. if I was, um, but I still especially these days. Like I don't get misled these days too much by uh, Tesla. Yeah, and sometimes it'll take me like not quite the fastest way, but it's pretty much the fastest way. So, um, it's whereas to reroute to right, uh, and another thing I like about Google is like it gives you options. Like you can say, like yeah. as you're driving, it'll say you can go this way and lose two minutes, or you can go this way. Um, whereas Rivian, like when I was coming from Brooklyn to home, um, it was giving me like these kind of crazy directions. And I actually pulled out my uh, iPhone and Google mapped the way home, and, and I had to do that. But the routes we took this week, and of course, you know, Rivian was out here, you know, mapping and made sure it was right, um, were perfect. They were like direct and the fastest way, and and uh, they were more importantly, they were like very on top of where I was. So, like, if a right turn was coming, it was. You know, it was shown and before beforehand, and you would see it coming. Whereas before, um, last time I was in a Rivian, the the car would be still coming up on the right turn, and the right turn would be behind you. Uh, so it wasn't quite synced that way. But I have that problem with uh, Apple CarPlay too, though. Uh, yeah. Maybe less so when I connected directly with the USB port. But if I use it with the Bluetooth, right, uh, it's it's not great. Was that with the Mustang? With the Mustang more recently, but the Mustang, I've, I sort of fixed it just by using the, the, the cable. provided uh, USB-C cable. But uh, yeah, in the other application where I don't have that option, it's it's not great. All right. There's, there's, uh, there's a delay. Yeah. And, and that that those things, I think, are getting fixed. Mm -hmm. All right. Newt Aoli. I wonder if that's the real word. Uh, question. EU is implementing a new rule on all cars from 6th of July. So yesterday or day before that they must have speed limiter and reduce effect on the car when it exceeds speed limit on road signs. Sounds crazy in the beginning of the end of manual driving. Uh, uh, am I following this correctly? Like the, the, the car, the car detects the speed limit and doesn't allow you to go over it or to go too much over it. Are right, this, uh, if that's, if that's the case, that's interesting. Yeah, that would be uh, quite aggressive regulation. Yeah, and I wonder if that's like recorded speed limits, like you know how Google mm -hmm. and every and Tesla know 
what the speed limits are without even the camera sensing it. Mm-hmm. Or I wonder if it's just seeing in the camera. Crazy if true. Uh, yeah. I don't think I don't think anything like that would happen in the U.S. They would. Yeah, they would. Uh, there would be some revolt. The capital. Yeah, too, too many guns for that. Like they. Right. They yeah, just that's shoot the it. reason they were really waiting for. Like so we overthrow the government over this one. Right. They'd shoot all the speed limit yeah. signs. <laughs> All right, Gaku Ponzi, new schedule, got a hot date. Yeah, what's where, where are you off to, Fred? Uh, just a family reunion this weekend, and uh, I need to drive uh, all the way up uh, up north for it. So uh, cool. it's going to be a big drive. All right. Uh, praise, you make a great podcast with good balance between critical and positive views on the electric news, especially on Tesla, where most our fanboys are anti-Tesla. Thank you. Both are tiresome, even in the electric-friendly Norway. Uh, appreciate yeah. that. Right, Norway. We love Norway. I actually want to go and just check out like the electric vehicle utopia, like not with any <laughs> company or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, it would be fun. I went there just once for the Mercedes EQC, and uh, just for two days. And yeah, I mean, as a when you're an EV nerd, like this is this is paradise. You're like, whoa, 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 see a vehicle everywhere. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, I'm going to Germany uh, this weekend for Eurobike and then uh, Mercedes Drive. So, for Germany. Wait, are you leaving this weekend? Yes, Sunday. Well, no, oh, I'm, le- okay. I'm leaving for Montreal. Yeah, okay, you're still then, going to Montreal. Right, right. right. <laughs> and then next week I'll be in uh, Frankfurt uh, for Eurobike. Hopefully, some people are going there. And then uh, we'll go to, uh, I think it's near Stuttgart, it's some weird mountain town. All right. Uh, reflect the sun. I mean, U.S. does have a D-plus infrastructure and massive flood events with heat domes destroying roads. They need to float, too. I think we were talking about the uh, pothole detection there. Mm. Um, I am an FSD beta user, too. My three has been missing potholes at a random for months now, specifically moving in the lane and, in one case, crossing the yellow line to really? avoid a really bad spot. Oh, wow. I don't know if that's, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that you're lying to them, but some, sometimes like people like infer uh, actions to a system and it's not, and it's not actually what it's trying to do. I'm not saying that's the case here, but it's a possibility. But if that's true, that would be, that would be awesome. I feel like Tesla would have kind of reported that though. Like they, they did for the suspension right there. So I would assume they would do it. if the, Yeah. Maybe the they do some like early AB testing or something. Yeah, maybe. All right, Reflect the Sun question. Does Tesla make their own solar panels for their Gigafactory roofs? You would think so, but... No, not the no. solar panels. They have their own... I don't know if that's what they're using specifically on, on the Gigafactory roofs right right now, but for their own residential installation, they do have a panel that they, they, they spec'd out with uh, a manufacturer, but they're not manufacturing them themselves. Yeah, there was a Panasonic panel, right? Uh, no, I think the most recent one is uh, uh, H, a Chinese company that started with H. Okay. Uh, At one point, there was a Panasonic panel they were making in. Uh, yeah, but that that did drop York that Gigafactor. pretty quickly. Panasonic kind of backed out of that deal in Gigafactory New York. All right. And I think this is our last question. Uh, question Huge hail is falling all over Tornado Alley. Do you think Tesla has a plan to protect cars from the factory if it happened in Austin? Oh, you mean the cars that are sitting outside? Yeah, that that would be a big bummer. You have brand new cars coming to the factory parked outside and then boom, a hailstorm on it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what much it can do other than if they know it's coming. They, they don't think they put... Uh, I know there's kind of like a umbrella for cars thing that you can put and that, that's good enough to predict from hell, for hell. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if... Uh, 
Uh, I don't know if they can pull that out. We missed one from Not and Holly too. Here is uh, is there any truth to the rumors about a Plan Mode Three? Oh yeah. Uh, um, you know, I've heard from a pretty good source that there's a new Model Three performance rear wheel drive motor coming out. Hmm. Um, however, from what I'm hearing, it's like a ten percent bump in performance, something like that. So not insignificant, but also not massive. Probably something enough to bring the multi performance around the three second mark instead of three point two. Something. Oh yeah, like. they can't let the Rivian beat it. Yeah, well, or the or the, well, you also cannot beat the model like uh, S either. So like right. they have to they have to find like a nice compromise. Uh, so, but I I would be shocked if they do call it a plat. Like I, I think it's just going to be like a performance bomb to the model three performance. Um, didn't Elon on Twitter one time uh, somebody asked if there was going to be a Model Three Plaid? Didn't he say something like, "No, the Plaid is only for us." Yeah, I think that Tesla Owners Club Silicon Valley on on their on their like uh, two hour long interview. The, uh, the that's when they asked him, and he was like, he shut that down. So I so I don't I think that's uh, not going to happen. But yeah, there might be a more performance Model Three coming out, which might be where the those uh, those rumors are coming from. Okay. And then one last one from Turkey Neck too that just came out uh, with further news about Tesla's pending opening of their supercharger network. Is there any word on CCS availability for Tesla owners in uh, reciprocation? Will they offer an adapter for third? Uh, it got caught off. Yeah, third party. Um, well, they have an adapter. It's just mm-hmm. in Korea right now, and there's ways to get one in the U.S. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Like. Uh, the way I see it play out for for now is that Tesla is going to actually deploy new supercharger station with the CCS connector with it. So with regular Tesla connector and the CCS connector. So like the, the, the two cables like they had in Europe. Yeah, like like a dual cable that they had in Europe for a while. Uh, on new station where or or on expansion on station where they can get those federal fundings because because that you need that to get the federal funds. So for the new station, I think it would make sense and it would be the most efficient way to use those funds right now and and to accelerate deployment. I think so. So for now, I think that's going to be the case. And uh, and then yeah, I, I think the logic thing to do is as you do that, you start introducing the CCS adapter uh, in 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 the US and you allow you allow your Tesla owners to use the CCS network and uh, maybe vice versa, a, a CCS to Tesla adapter for any other uh, EV owners that want to use the supercharged network. And then that way you can open up all supercharging station or gradually like they were doing in Europe, whatever to non EV owners while getting that money to expand the network with those dual charger station. I think that's the logical step to do of some version of that. I think is extremely likely to happen within the next, uh, before the end of the year, that's what the thing in the white house came out. It's kind of a weird way that the white house is the one like releasing the timeline for that to do that. But it also makes some sense because we know that uh, they met with Elon in, in April to discuss how the supercharger, uh, the, the supercharger, the, the federal funds for uh, charging AV charging infrastructure is going to be rolled out. So Tesla got the information there, and then now is going to apply it to its uh, supercharger strategy. And then, uh, what do you think long term? Do you think Tesla is going to move the U.S. just like Europe to CSCS combo? Supercharged. I mean, the the very long term. That's what I think it, it makes sense. Like, if if the, the U.S. completely adopts CCS standard and Tesla the, Europe did it before, and that's how Tesla responded in Europe with that, I think that would be the logical step in the U.S. 
but I, I, it's a big thing to do. So I, I don't know. There they, they could be other ways to handle it too. Right. Uh, adapters. Adapter-wise and dual Maybe there's wise. even like a, a an upgrade to the CCS combo because it's very it's very big now. You yeah. don't really need something that big. And, and Tesla's yeah. is obviously way more elegant. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Well, this was an hour 20 long show. And uh, I, yesterday, a quick a quick teaser for next week. Yesterday, I managed to, I uh, was uh, one of the first to test out the uh, Orca, Taiga Orca electric jet ski. And it was a blast. I mean, this, these things are going to be awesome. They're going to sell like hotcakes. They, they are, you just, you just need to try them and, and, and then it's an easy sell. Uh, I did a quick video that I'm going to put together. Uh, there's uh there's there's a news coming out soon so i'm not, i cannot uh, divulge anything just yet but i think it's going to come out within the next week or so so i'm going to post that video and an article to follow with it uh soon so we're going to discuss that on the podcast next week which should be back at the regular time i'm going to be on the road again um uh, but Me too. uh uh, yeah, and set two. So we're gonna we, we're gonna see what we can do. No, you're gonna be by that time. You're gonna still yeah. You're gonna still be in Germany. So actually, it might be make more sense to do it sooner, right? Yeah, rather than later. So yeah, it might not be at the same time actually because we're both gonna be on the road. So we're gonna have to try to make that work. But uh, next week we're gonna discuss the Tiger Orca electric jet ski. Awesome, and also anything else that happened in the EV world this week. If you're still listening to the show right now, we love you. You're awesome EV nerd like us. And uh, thanks a lot for listening. Thanks a lot for watching. If you can give us a thumbs up, a subscribe, a five-star review on your podcast app, all those things like the show, help the show more than you know, and we appreciate it a lot. And we're going to see you same place. Well, maybe not 